This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. Welcome one and all to episode 126 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and it has been a few weeks. I do apologize. The original plan was to release nine classic albums during the month of September 2015. Unfortunately, as we now know, that did not come to fruition. Um, just to check up on things or get you guys in the know or whatnot. Got sick again last month. Sick again, you could sort of hear it in my voice. Um, nice cold, which went to an infection, which went to all types of antibiotics, which went to health issues once again. And I've been... Fighting through that, still feeling the effects of that to an extent. Um, also been getting my ass kicked with um, with my other two sites, with Ear Peeler and with EntertainmentPodcasting.com. I've had to put the latter on hold, trying to do some work behind the scenes, hopefully plan to relaunch um, in early November, at least that is the plan. So I do apologize for anyone that started following that site. Um, the plan is to continue. It's just that being a one man show, it is difficult to, it is difficult to add 200 pieces of news to two different websites. And with ear peeler, I'm doing close to 30 to 50 a day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, sometimes less, but uh, it's still a, a big chore to do all that. And I do appreciate you guys that are going to both of those sites and following them and helping spread the word. Um, as I have mentioned in the past, you know, and I don't have a donate button there or anything. But, uh, you know, that is I'm, I'm trying to make some ends meet with those sites. Uh, there could be others on the way if I'm able to work things out behind the scenes the way that I want to. Um, unfortunately I have to do everything on my own and, um, hopefully I can subcontract some stuff and, and get it up and running as soon as possible and, and great. So, uh, there's that, uh, and to make matters even better, had a virus on, uh, my computer earlier this week and now have some fun shenanigans with my internet not working so uh you know um i intend on get this on getting this episode up today it is friday october 9th um it, i don't know just so much shit one thing after another uh it sucks but um yeah again hopefully the the internet is working in short or order at some point today if not i'm gonna have to go you know, some, to someone else's house and, and upload this, which I hope I don't have to, but uh, we'll see what happens. So, um, so yeah, uh, this episode is focused on Sepultura's Arise, and we have all types of great guests during this episode, uh, namely... I was able to pin down uh, Andreas Kisser and Max Cavalera, who obviously one is currently in Sepultura, the other one is currently in Soulfly. If you've been under a rock for years or don't know who Sepultura are, um, and this is your first news of this album, that's that. Um, there are a lot of other great guests involved during the episode. Uh, we have our good friend Alan Tecchio, of course. Um, we have um, Gene Hoagland, who has been a part of pretty much all of these episodes. Uh, what else? Jeff Martin, former lead singer of Racer X. Uh, he's got a new band that he's coming out with called Blast of the Static. The guitarist, who's also part of Death Dealers, Stu Marshall, is also going to comment. You have the great, great metal historian, author, journalist, whatnot um martin popoff he's lent his comments so has mitch lafon uh charlie d'angelo from spiritual beggars and better known for an arch enemy he's involved um and then we have a bunch of the other 
characters that you guys have come to hear and love during these episodes. Jason McMasters, who is about to release a new album with his band, um, Broken Teeth. He's also known for his work in Watchtower and also um, uh, Dangerous Toys. There you go. Corners of Sanctuary, Count William of Ravensthorn, and uh, Witchcross. There you go. I'm trying to go off the top of my head here. Brent Black out of Van Lade. Uh, we also have, who else do we have here? Oh, and last but not least, we have Tom Potter from Gundriver, and we have Josh from Toxic. So, um, the episode will have all of their comments. Also, remember that you can go to the web and check out all of the great comments that people have submitted as well. If this is your first time that you're listening to one of our albums series episodes, um, there's this audio podcast, and then there's a written part, which is also posted on the web, which are people's written comments regarding the album. So there you have it. Just want to remind you guys to go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. Check out the links to our Twitter, to our Facebook, uh, to our Tumblr. And uh, if you're using something that isn't Stitcher or iTunes, there's also the RSS feed up there. If you do go to iTunes, please leave a comment, good, bad, or indifferent. And if you send me a screenshot of your comments, we'll give you a shout-out during an upcoming episode. And that's pretty much that. Let's have a word from our sponsor. And let's kick things off with this episode. Yeah. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. He's written a million and one books about hard rock and metal, Martin Popov. Sepultura, uh, Rise. Um, not much I can say about this album. Um, it's a little bit too early, a little bit too raw and fast for me as a Sepultura fan. My favorite album by far is Roots. My second favorite would be Chaos AD. So Arise is getting just a little bit too too old. Um, but you can tell there was a lot of magic in this band, and it's the magic of coming from a strange country and uh, and interpreting metal uh, through a weird place. I mean, these guys being South Americans. So you can... You can hear an excitement at making metal on this thing, but you, but also it's just that it's just that sort of adorable stupidity that you hear on this album that that is so cool. The man that has played with all your favorite bands, Gene Hoagland. I have to admit that one's kind of under my radar. You know, I like I like I heard a little bit of it when they released it, and I okay. gotta admit, man, Sepultura was like. Eh. You know, I, I know that I am in the minority with saying this, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but they were just, uh, they always sounded like somebody else. And I understand that that's the album where they started kind of sounding like themselves, and they sure stopped sounding like themselves because after that record. But, you know, I heard the title track when it came out, and I heard the dead embryonic cells and stuff, and... and I was like, okay, well, the, you know, yeah, it's all right, you know, it's okay. I like, <laughs> I like the rise. I like the song. Um, right. But there was nothing on that album that really like poked out at me. It's like, oh, this band is bringing something brand new to the table. And granted, when they started getting into the Brazilian era stuff, I thought that was watered down by, like mm -hmm. I said, you know, I thought Chaos AD was, uh, you know, South of Heaven, slow stuff of Seasons in the Abyss influenced album and then on roots i mean it's really apparent that they you know they they liked their corn record um, <laughs> yeah you know, they, they they turned new metal and all of a sudden all the fire is gone like we're just going to turn our backs on the fact we're a thrash band granted they were an okay thrash band and now they're getting into their own sound i suppose but it wasn't even their own sound you know so that's yeah you know, no, I, I don't mean to diss on Sepultura by any means, but it was just, that was a band that was like, okay, I realize that everybody's excited about this band. Excellent for them. I'm, you know, I'm just not 
not super excited. I remember reading a, a uh, an interview with with Max. It was one of those, um, you know, we're going to play you ten songs from ten bands and and um, and you know just give your give your opinion on each one of these songs. And and I remember they played him a Dark Angel song and he he really ripped on it. So maybe that influenced me. You know, maybe that's where oh, you think my band sucks. Well, you know, you're going to become a millionaire, but you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. you're not going to write good music doing it, dude. So, uh, you know, maybe that was influenced my, my distaste. No, I already had a distaste for Sepultura. I liked them as guys, but, <laughs> you know, it was just, okay. I mean, uh, granted, look at their circumstances. They came from a very small town in Brazil. They liked thrash metal and, and Slayer and Hellhammer and, and Metallica and Venom and all the bands that we liked. And, Inevitably, that's what every small band from a small town sounds like. Your favorite band. <laughs> that's just what happens. They, right. Since they were from Brazil and they had more Boy Kurgan pushing them really hard back in the day, you know, they got some exposure that bands like Sarcophago and, and you know, Blasphemo and stuff like that and Dorsal Atlantica from, from Brazil didn't get. You know, so they were getting some press that other bands weren't getting that were just as good as them. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they, they got big and, you know, more power to them. I got to admit, man, I liked, I liked the record that they put out after, after Max left. What was that one? Uh, uh, Hatred? Uh, no. Nation? Uh, no, I think it was before that. It was, it, it, they put it out in about 98. And yeah, it has the song Choke on it. Yes. That was the first thing that I heard with Derek Green was the, the song Choke. Let me see what And was that album that Supple Nation or Nation? I know they had a Supple Nation album, and I think that came out in about 2001. But yeah, I, yeah. I liked that record. I thought, you know, it's like, hey, they got a fire back. That's cool, you know? And, um, you know, so good for them. I got to admit, I've like, like the whole new metal thing, I, I liked the first bands that did it, but when yeah. other bands, you know, it's like, Sepultura, you guys are your own band. You don't have to sound like Korn. Um, you know, and, you know, I was fucking Roots, Bloody Roots. Sounded like Korn. <laughs> right? Yeah. Awesome. I'm, not, I'm not saying anything special here, but, um, you know, I, I, I got to admit, like Soulfly, I didn't get Soulfly. That one finger chord that just, you know, came out. Except, you know, some of the later Soulfly records, they're, they're ripping. Like, I think Soulfly has gotten way better. And the Cavalera Conspiracy, I think, is deadly. Mm-hmm. I think that's great, great killer stuff they're, they're writing. The fact they're working with Mark Rizzo, I mean, that guy has bought a real big, you know, uh, injection yeah. to, to, to Max. And, um, you know, like, you know, later Soulfly stuff, awesome. Uh, the latest Cavalier conspiracy, awesome. Way to go, you know. So it all has a happy ending. Tom Potter of Gun Driver. Dude, grew up listening to Sepultura, Pantera, Slayer, Megadeth, uh, Guns N' Roses, Steve Vaughn, and Zeppelin. And that was like my, what what I like ingested on a daily basis growing up. And uh, I mean, just talk about like a seminal heavy metal thrash album that's, you know, that, like there's, even to this day, like I've never heard anything that sounds like Sepultura. Like the the mixture of like the unbelievable freaking drums and the great guitar work and and the voice, man, the vocals are just killer. And I, I was lucky enough to, to see Soulfly play at that same um, same same uh, same same venue with uh, with Gus G's band. And every time they launched into uh, <laughs> they launched into uh, Dead Embryonic Cells and a couple other tunes off of the sound, the whole place went went freaking nuts and I pulled it up yesterday and listened listened to it. You know, the the cool engineering with like the sound effects leading into some of the tunes and then you got like the killer drum intros and uh it's like a mixture of like super hardcore thrash and like groove metal man. And like I, I can't even say enough, man. The host of one on one with Mitch, talking metal digital's own Mitch Lafon. Well, Sepultura and Arise. Um not an album that I listen to a lot. One of those, another one of those bands that that I sort of, you know, I I didn't really get, but as far as Arise goes, 
it took it took Sepultura out of you know Brazil and put them on the international map and made people think, hey, you know what? Maybe there's more to metal than the UK, and maybe there's more to metal than the United States, and maybe there's more to metal than than Germany. And all of a sudden, people are like, well, let's go down and see what's going on in South America. And if it wasn't for a rise, I don't think people would have cared about South America. I mean, I'm talking about metal-wise. I mean, obviously, right. they care because they have beautiful women and great beaches. But, <laughs> but metal-wise, if it wasn't for that Sepultura album, I don't think, you know, and I and I don't think, I don't think it would have been as cool to go play rock in Rio in the in the '90s or now. Or I think that was one of the albums that that took everybody's attention and focused it down on South America and said, "Hey, there's a vibrant scene going down here. Listen to this." And I think the catalyst was Sepultura's Arise, because I really don't think, you know, I think too many people were looking to L.A. for the next hot metal band, or they were looking to some, you know, part of the English countryside, or maybe they were out in Dusseldorf or, or Wacken. And then Sepultura put that album out, and they went, you, look at us, we're over here. <laughs> and everybody went, hey, Look at that. And, you know, after that album came out, a lot more bands started including South America in tours for right. years. I mean, you don't, when you look back at the history of, you know, Kiss or 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 Aerosmith or, or these bands that were these big, big bands in the 70s, you don't see a lot of Brazilian dates or South American dates on their itinerary. Right. And after Sepultura came out, you start looking in the 90s and in the 2000s, and almost every band has a South American leg now. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Kiss, Guns N' Roses. They all have a South American leg. And I think, I think Sepultura for, I mean, I don't want to give them all the credit, but I think that they deserve part of the credit for saying, hey, we exist. And there's fans down here that like this kind of music. And I really think that that's, that's what they contributed to the whole metal scene, is that they opened, they, they opened sort of the North American fan and the European fan to there's another part of the world that, that digs this stuff and don't overlook us. And, you know, since then, you know, we've gone down and we've found other bands that people go... Um, you know, that people have fallen in love with, and it's all because of Sepultura. Right. Yeah, seeing that uh, Dream Theater documentary, um, when they were when they ultimately chose Mike Mangini, one of the drummers that they chose uh, to try out was uh, Brazilian Achilles. Um, Achilles uh, Heel? <laughs> I, I forget his last name. It's Priester or something like that. But right, right, right. That, that was the first thing that uh, that came to mind uh, when I saw that documentary was, you know, had it not have been for Sepultura, you know, we would have never seen, you know, a guy being tried out for, you know, uh, one of the most quote-unquote... Yeah, yeah. No, it really is. And and I think, you know, if you do a real search of of the numbers, I mean, I know Van Halen played like Caracas, Venezuela in 1983 or something like that. But other than that, you know, Poison in the 80s wasn't going down there. Bon Jovi yeah. wasn't going down there. I mean, I know Whitesnake played there in 85, but there really wasn't a lot of people going down there. And then when Sepultura hit the scene, you know, since that time, everybody's going down there. And right. it's, play, it's one of those places you have to go. And, you know, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I really, truly believe that if they hadn't put South American metal on the map, that then South American metal just wouldn't be on anybody's map. They would just go, okay, a tour is Canada, the States, England, you know, Europe, if you want, and Japan, and thank you, we're done. Right. And I think Sepultura changed that, that pers uh, perspective, and, you know... 
I think I think the world's a better place for it. Quite frankly, it's it's nice to to see those Rock and Rio streams on YouTube. Quite frankly, <laughs> you know. From Australia, Death Dealers and Blasted to Statics, Stu Marshall. Um, you know, I'm pretty new actually. To uh, sounds kind of strange, but I'm kind of new uh, to the Sepultura Soulfly thing. Um, I, I've kind of been a melodic power metal dude for years and last year I got to hang out with uh, Max Cavalera extensively on tour and he's one of the most generous nicest guys in the industry and uh, since kind of getting to know him and, and his wife Gloria um, who were both on the tour I, I went back and revisited it and realized what I've been missing out on and Arise is one of those albums um, just heavy tribal in your face uh, very unique. So, yeah, great album. From Racer X, Jeff Martin. Ooh, you know what? I didn't I didn't pay t- a lot of attention to those guys, but my, my drum tech did. And uh, he w- he teched for them a lot in Brazil, and, and he's still alive, and he says, I'm not sure why, because it was complete insanity. You know, especially if you're playing South America, you know, uh, he said they were just, it was complete pandemonium uh witches burning crosses and you know small children uh, on sticks and all sorts of things but that's all i really know about them unfortunately josh christian of toxic all right arise was the first album that i uh, got turned on to about sepultura um i actually bought their cassette based off of the artwork because i thought the artwork was pretty killer and um i got that home and put that in the player and started rolling it and you know it just melted my face really it was it was a great album kind of just like eerie and then just powerful in your face thrash um and uh that was that was a really awesome album i, I still love it to this day from hades and non-fiction lead singer alan tecchio well arise beneath the remains of the first record is arise the second one yeah I didn't really get into Beneath the Remains. I mean, I know the title track, Arise, and I think it's brutal and amazing and heavy, but I always thought they were sort of like a second-rate slayer at that particular point in their career. Uh, so I never really followed them and got into it, but I know that record and the first record really did amazing things for that band and it put them on the map. Uh, so I can only really speak to the title track, and I think it's great. I think it's really, really heavy and brutal, and the vocals are sick. Um, but I don't know the whole record, so I don't know if I should comment on the whole thing. Brett's Blackouts of Van Lane. That one, we'll have to get Nick to talk about, too. That I know that one, that's my favorite Sepultura album, but not the hugest Sepultura fan. I like them a lot. I think their style on that one was, I think that's their best sound, because it's kind of the best the produced of their thrash era. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I think that's they had progressed far enough so that they were still like a super heavy speed metal band and they hadn't quite gone so groovy like they did in the 90s. And um, yeah, so I, that's, I mean, yeah, it's my favorite Sepultura. The man that continues to shred the envelope, Dave Raffet. Sepultura Arise, great, great, great record. Um, Max Cavalera on this record in particular, you got to give him credit, man. He's just a badass rhythm guitar player. You know his uh, the riffs on this one on the title track and uh, Dead Embryonic Cells and all that stuff. Some really really intricate picking and stuff going on. And um, I like the other record a lot too. I'd have to look at the songs to know if which one's my favorite. Uh, you know, Roots Bloody Roots or whatever it's called. But that's a good record too. Um, and when I was younger, I even went back and listened to their kind of death metal-y stuff, and some of that's interesting as well. But, uh, yeah, I was always a fan of Sepultura, and, um, yeah, I'd, kinda, I'd, I'd like to see him come back and do a tour. I think, that, I think everybody would. You know, that would be very cool. Uh, the Cavalera Conspiracy record I liked a lot as well because there was some stuff on there that reminded me of, uh, of a rise. Mick, Sean, and James from Corners of Sanctuary. That's like the, their last... I guess their last considered thrash album, you know. Um, I, I, no, I saw them live um, Chaos AD tour. Um, 
and uh, they they did songs from Arise, like you know, and they were. I mean, these. Get, I mean, live they were freaking unbelievable live band. Um, and and Arise was like ten times faster, you know, than the album version. So uh, it's it's a you know that was a good, that was a really good thrash band. I mean, you know, they really they they had a Slayer influence. Um, guys were incredible musicians too. Um, you know, they put their little little touch on thrash. I think they they stuck their their um, like that tribal sound they had, and they put it into it. They mixed it in with thrash, and it you know was something kind of different. And I think a lot of bands took off after that. Uh, from 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 what they what they from laid what, out. Yeah, what they laid out on on a rise, you could hear them kind of going into that that more of that tribal right. um, sound, but they still kept it thrashy. Right. You know. He was part of Watchtower, Dangerous Toys, Broken Teeth, and a plethora of other projects. Jason McMaster. Uh, unfortunately, I don't own a rise, but I will take my hat off and bow in their direction at any chance I I'm given because I think that they, that that's a band that has, that overcame all obstacles to play heavy metal when there was probably not a whole lot, a whole lot of heavy metal in their beginnings, uh, in the, you know, Portuguese metal bands, you know, Brazil, the Brazil metal scene, you know, that's, that's hard for my brain to even, cause since I'm not from there, I've never been there. I don't know anybody from the scene there. It's like, you think about a scene in New York and a scene in Texas and a scene in LA, we can stop there. That's, you know, that makes sense to us because we know it, but we don't know a scene in South America other than we know that rock music is wildly popular there. Surely there's a scene. So for the only heavy metal band, you know, in the early eighties to break out Sepultura, you're like, Holy shit, where are these guys from? They they're weird. They don't sound like anybody else. You know, uh, it's, it's, it, it adds this whole other leg to the monster of what is underground heavy metal. So, um, I can't even name you songs off of that. I own roots, you know, but at the same time, um, I, I bow in their direction, anything that they did and will, and, and the, you know, the Cavaleras will do, I will pay attention to because of, uh, they, they're one of those bands that was great from the beginning and they deserve whatever, because, because they just, there was no fail, you know, they just overcame it all and created their own vibe. And, uh, you know, they, they had that, uh, sort of, uh, tribal blood in their music as well as in their veins. And it, that's what made it different. So like I said, I'm sorry, I can't comment on the material on that specific record arise, but but uh, the lo the love is the love is there. From Witchcross and Ravensthorn, Count William. Okay, at uh, Sepultura, uh, when they first came out, uh, I was uh, at the point in my life I'd probably say between uh, maybe around sixteen or seventeen years old at that point in time, and uh, I was really also getting hugely uh, influenced by Slayer and Death and a lot of those other bands that were going on. I was, I was one of those people that kind of started with the, with the hard rock and the classic hard rock and heavy metal. And then I just, I also branched into listening to thrash as it, as it interjected into the metal world. And, uh, yeah, Sepultura is a rise album, uh, was definitely, uh, a huge, uh, improvement. Well, I always thought all the early albums were great too. I loved them. But when that album first hit Arise, um, it just seemed like like they took it one step further, um, production and heaviness wise. Well, I'd say, you know, that the previous album before Arise was slightly uh maybe a little bit heavier because it had that raw production. But when Arise came in, um, it seems like the 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 added um production quality uh made the heaviness of the album uh, stand out and be a little more powerful in the mix. But, 
But yeah, the Cavalera, uh, Cavalera brothers, they really kicked some ass on that album. And I, to me, it's like never been topped. You know, those guys, uh, I mean, for Sepultura albums, you know, it's like probably, you know, a high, a definite high point, which they've made some great albums after, but it's, you know, unfortunate that, that Max kind of, you know, had to split away and, you know, and then the other guys, you know, you know, he went kind of on his own with his own band and, and then uh, they, they replaced him and kept going. But, you know, I kind of, I'll always prefer, you know, the way they sounded on a rise. That was definitely uh, my favorite album they've ever done and, and a definite huge high point in their career. But some people disagree. There's other people who think that the, you know, their debut and their, you know, their real early material, uh, which was definitely uh, a little more brutal and more raw. I will agree with that. But, uh, when it comes to the full package of, of heaviness and, and good production and the whole band getting along as a team, I thought Arise was definitely uh, probably their, their best effort of all time. Part of one of the most influential bands to ever come out of Scandinavia, Arch Enemies, Charlie D'Angelo. Oh, yeah, Arise would be... The, it, was, um, it was also one of them albums that, I, like when I heard it the first time, I wasn't really... I wasn't really like super impressed because I, I was thinking like, you know, what kind of direction are they taking now? I don't really know. But it wasn't until later that I sort of got the, you know, the greatness of it. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, to this day, you know, I still like it. One of the architects of South American and tribal metal, Andreas Kisser of Sepultura. With regards to Arise, it seemed like it marked a beginning of the band wanting to experiment and infuse different things that you hadn't done on previous albums. Um, how much of that came about naturally and how much was it a conscious effort where you guys said, you know what, I want to take this somewhere that, you know, Beneath the Remains didn't have or Schizophrenia didn't have. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, Arise was uh, the, the first album that we did it with the full support from the record label, you know, Beneath the Remains was kind of like, uh, they were betting, you know, I mean, okay, we have this band from Brazil, let's see what happens, you know, so on Beneath the Remains, they changed the cover, you know, they changed the logo from the band, uh, they didn't put out an album with the lyrics or anything, you know, they just put it out, and uh, Beneath the Remains was really, uh, uh, um, you know, very impressive for everybody around because nobody expected for Benita Remains to be in certain charts. You know, the tour we did with Sodom was amazing. We played, you know, for for in Europe for the first time. We went to 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 the States for the first time. You know, we played Dynamo Fest, which was huge for us. It was the first time we played in a European big festival. You know, so uh, uh, we were learning and our minds were expanding. And we were, you know, looking Brazil from outside, you know, which, you know, gave us this kind of sensation of, of, of respecting more our own home, you know. And when we lived there, everything from outside was good. Everything from inside was shit, you know. That, that's the kind of mentality we had uh, when we were younger, you know. But, uh, I mean, the tour was really uh, important for us to, to learn new things, to see Brazil in a different way. And Arise, you know, we were completely supported full support from every everybody. We had the manager, you know, working. Uh, we have the label totally believing in the band. We chose the cover. We chose the, the, the logo. We chose, you know, the booklet. We made special pictures for the booklet. And, you know, we went to the stage to record with Scott Burns, uh, to Florida and everything. So our rise was really the album we wanted to make on Beneath the Remains, let's say, you know, that kind of... Uh, completely motivated and, you know, 100% uh, fully supported by the label and with the structure going, you know, with um, with everything that we always dreamed about, you know, to record outside Brazil and everything. So, yeah, Rise was, I think, was the the first Sepultura album that we did everything we wanted to do the way we wanted to do it, you know. Okay. And you also became more of a predominant songwriter during this album as well. What or how did that shift take place? Not really. I mean, since I joined the band, I, I wrote, you know, stuff together with Max uh, a lot, you know. I even have more songs maybe 
So every, I mean, we work together, you know, I mean, uh, every single Sepultura song that whatever released since I joined, I have a, I have a part on it, you know, because everything came basically from guitar riffs, you know, and I wrote a lot of lyrics on Schizophrenia, on Benito Remains, you know, there was even a song from uh, my old band uh, before I joined Sepultura on Benito Remains, which is Slaves of Pain, you know, and uh, so was no shift at all. I mean, it, it just was the, the same way that we did things, but now you know in a in a let's say in a, a little more professional environment you know with better equipment with the with the crew you know with the structure with fans and you know learning about sepultura and stuff so uh in that respect it was the same the studio you chose to work in in the states was more sound which basically became the epicenter of the birth of death metal um was that a reason for you guys to want to record there, or was there another reason why you chose that specific studio? Well, I think the reason is one of, of that, of course, you know, because we worked uh, with Scott Burns on Benito Remains. He came down to Brazil to, to record an album in the best studio possible we could get in Brazil. And uh, the next step, naturally, was to go to his studio, you know, which was Morris Sound Studio uh, in Florida. And... Um, uh, and we had a great time with Scott, you know, he did a great job with Benito Remains and, and we wanted to continue that, but did an upgrade. You know, we went to the States and he was working at home with the best equipment that he could get. You know, we went to the music stores and, and bought like new equipment, uh, uh, all, all with, uh, you know, with his direction and stuff, you know. So um, I guess the sound we were looking for, of course, was the Florida sound, uh, you know, Morbid Angel. Uh, death, you know, especially the obituary and stuff. So, uh, and um, but mainly, I think was really to work with Scott again, you know, and uh, and go to his uh, studio and and have the the full potential, you know, what Scott could could, could give us. Okay, and what memories do you have from that recording process? Is there one thing that sticks out for you when you actually got into the studio and recorded the album? Um, I don't know. There, there are a lot of memories. I mean, uh, we were living our dream, you know, to be there um, in a hotel right by the Bush Gardens, <laughs> you know, living, uh, having the days off and, you know, enjoying all that stuff as well. And uh, <clears throat> the band was really uh, united and you know, was was really, we were, I think, in, in one of our best moments, you know, very motivated and and full of dreams and stuff. And I remember we received a call also from our manager confirming us to Rock and Rio in Brazil. Uh, for the first time, we will be playing Rock and Rio in the upcoming January 91, you know. That was around, I don't know, where we recorded the rise around October or September of 90, you know. So uh, everything was really excited, you know, exciting. And um, and just all, all all around, you know, just be there, uh, you know, meet the guys from Morbid Angel. I went to the show to see Ronnie James Dio with Pete Sandoval driving his own car. You know, it was like a, it was really cool to have that bond, not only in in the studio but outside. You know, to to meet those those guys that influenced Sepultura so much. You know, so uh, it was it was great. You know, it was really great. And and we were recording. And the last day of recording, I mean, was on Friday or so, and Saturday. We were playing with Obituary and Sados at the beginning of a, of an American tour, you know, for, I don't know, for six weeks and stuff. So we went straight from the studio to the tour and, uh, you know, no complaints, you know, we were very happy and uh, we felt privileged, you know, to have uh, such a, such great things happening to us, you know. Um, so, um, you know, all over, all around was really positive, uh, you know, memories and I think was... Uh, very enjoyable, you know, not only the music side, but um, all around as a band and, and and enjoying everything, you know, it was great. Okay. And at this time, also, the international press actually started paying attention to you guys. You guys got on the cover of Kerrang! And there were other big uh, magazines that paid attention to you guys. Um, what was it like from your standpoint to start to get this initial exposure? Oh, it was amazing, man. I mean, I remember the first Kerrang cover was a, a photo of mine, uh, even during the 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 Benito Remains tour. You know, it was uh, I think came I think the magazine came back came in '91 and was Arise was just about to be released or so, and uh, was another really 
you know, dream, you know, to be there. I mean, um, things were starting to happen very quickly, you know, from that point and having great opportunities to play. Uh, we played, uh, you know, with Ozzy Osbourne in the States, like a month tour for No More Tears. We played with Ministry. We played Rock and Rio. You know, we played uh, a lot of other different festivals. We went to Indonesia, to Australia and stuff. So, uh, you know, it was, it was just like... Um, uh, you know, when you have the full support, we have the, the whole crew working towards the same objective, you know. It's not only music that matters, unfortunately, in this business. You know, you, you have to have people working uh, for you in different spheres of the of the business, you know, side. And, and we had that, you know. I mean, Arise was, was perfect uh, set up and, and we spent like two years touring the world, you know, going to all those places for the first time, Japan and everything was was just uh, amazing, you know, and and that really opened our mind in a way that anything else could do it, you know, besides being on the road and, and learning new languages and eating different food and surviving on the road, you know, and uh, I was really more than a, than a band or a musician experience, it was like a personal, you know, experience, like growing up from man to, or boy to man, you know, like uh, it was really really amazing times and uh and i think you can feel that on chaos ad you know the upcoming album that uh we really develop a sepultura sound afterwards you know because on our rise we still were very much compared to slayer and we were so happy <laughs> that what's happening because slayer was just like a one of our big biggest influences in our career you know and uh we still respect them so much and but we wanted to to have our own sound you know and and traveling and trying new things and playing different songs and, you know, uh, and, and being away more and more from Brazil, you know, and seeing Brazil like an astronaut, see the, the earth from the moon, you know, you have a totally different perspective of your own home, of your own country, you know, and we wanted to use a lot more of our own elements and grooves and not do so much fast songs, but, you know, work more of the grooves and the lead guitars as well, you know, uh, being being away from the traditional leads and arpeggios and you know whammy bars and and go more towards like a a, a, a percussive uh, approach you know which gave a kind of a signature sound for myself and Sepultura you know like the beginning of Propaganda or the riff from um, uh, uh, Clenched Fist you know stuff that I already used on Arise on Dadamianic Cells and you know like the dissonant type of, of vibe. Uh, of leads and stuff, you know, so uh, we experiment more in our uh, trying to explore more of our own culture, you know, and, and then finally we, we started to do something really original and doing something really that puts Sepultura in a different place, you know, compared to the other bands uh, uh, at the time. Where would you think or where do you feel that Arise's importance is within your career? Wow, I mean, it's hard to say, but I think it's one of the most open-minded. I, I think Arise was an axe that was, you know, hit in our heads in in best sense of, of, of everything you know, and, and put so many different ideas of, of the world, you know. We didn't need to uh, depend on only on TV or newspapers. You know, we were traveling, talking to people, to fans and uh, meeting new people from different labels and magazines and festivals, you know, meeting our idols uh, and our idols really, you know, knowing Sepultura and respecting Sepultura was insane, you know. So our rise was really uh, a turning point in our career, really showed the world to us and vice versa. You know, Sepultura was shown to the world and, and we went everywhere. And uh, and prepared the whole terrain for what Sepultura um, really did in the in the future. You know, without a rise was you know, um, I mean every album was very important. You know, but the rise took us to the world for the first time, and that's you know really uh, a really important mark. He was one of the founding members of Sepultura, Max Cavalera. The elements that are found on this album are they things that you wanted to or the band wanted to put forward? when writing this album or did it just come about sort of naturally when putting the songs together? Well, it was, it was our first chance to make a proper uh, real record because Believe the Remains, even though it, it came out great and we were happy with it, 
it was recorded under a lot of stress. We had to record at night, and it was done in Brazil. And Arise was we did it in the U.S. in uh, uh, Morris Sound Studio in Tampa, which is the temple, you know, temple of death metal with Scott right. Burns. And um, it was the first time we also experimented with samplers. We had, they had a, a guy there. I forgot his name, but he was um, he was doing a bunch of samplers and. We we kind of asked him to do the intros and outros for us, so he came out with all these industrial machinery sounds that you hear in Arise, uh, especially Arise intro. Uh, so that was really cool. That was like the first time. But there was a, a big party scene in the studio because all the bands were hanging out at, at, at the time in the studio with us, uh, Morbid Angel, uh, Death, uh, Obituary. So... It was. I can't believe how Scott got the album done because it was like thirty people in the in the inside the studio while he was like trying to mix the thing, and it was pretty crazy. But it came out really good, man. I really think Arise is a step forward in in every direction. Uh, it's almost. Uh, it's sometimes I think might be my favorite Sepultura record we ever done. Wow, that that's amazing. I mean, I think a lot of people always point to obvious choices but definitely this album was a shift to what was to come and still with a foot in the past at the same time maybe as you said having a proper foot in the past yeah i think you know the recording in tampa um really motivated us and scott was his second record with us so he kind of knew he was better and scott's a really cool guy he comes from the punk scene grew up with punk rock he actually didn't uh, listen to Death Metal at all. He, he liked only punk rock. All his, because I got to stay in his house when I was doing the vocals for for Beneath the Remains, and I went snooping around his albums one day, and it's it's all punk. <laughs> I think there's no one metal record. All he had was punk stuff from the '80s, and um, so he was like really really into the band and and molding our sound. And I think we. Came up with some really great stuff, you know. Uh, I think Dead Embryonic Cells, it's it's a killer. It's a great song, and the song "Arise," one of my favorite songs I ever done. I, I really love the power of that song and uh, the aggression and the fastness, and it's just brutal, raw, in your face kind of stuff. That it's really, uh, it was really killer to do that. So I think it was, uh, in general, really, uh, really. Um, exciting record to make what made more sound so special not only for you but to so many other bands well scott had that sound you know that that beneath the remains a rise sound that other bands kind of wanted um it's a little bit muffled sounds like you put in a pillow in front of the speaker but it's really raw and uh i don't know a lot of people love that sound i, I wasn't too crazy about it I mean, I think it was cool, and I was excited that we were working in such a a cool studio because it was very professional. The studio it was, uh, you know, big rooms and a lot of cool equipment. And uh, uh, we met the owner, uh, Tom Morris, and he was really cool. And you know, we we uh, we were experimenting with with a lot of stuff, but. A lot of bands end up going there later, Cannibal Corpse and so many other bands, DSI, and everybody ended up recording there afterwards, you know, so it became like a, a, a mecca of death metal records, you know, but uh, it's really weird because it's in the middle of nowhere. It was like palm trees, Florida weather, and there's a studio, you know, there's pretty much nothing to do out there. There's like bush gardens and bunch of other, you know, stuff near the studio. Uh, but in the actual area of the studio, it's just a bunch of palm trees and real typical Florida kind of stuff, you know. So we uh, we end up, we're in a hotel nearby. So we use all the time recording. We just went there and work nonstop. The sessions went, they ran up late. They, they, they used to go to like 2 in the morning, 2, 3 in the morning. Uh, especially with the guitars. Um, and then um, 
I'll get you know sometimes get a little drunk to recall the vocals. That was kind of my 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 thing. You know, I like to get a little liquored up to get some more crazy screams going. And by the time we cover uh, Orgasmatron, which was the cover, I was totally obliterated. When I don't remember even doing even recording Orgasmatron. Just listen to the next day, and, and it came out great. <laughs> Um, around this time, the band started getting a lot of foreign press or a lot of attention from the foreign press. What was it like for you finally breaking out in magazines in England, in the U.S., having focus pieces done on in magazines like uh, Enemy and things like that? Oh, it was it was amazing, man. We never expected that. You know, it was like our dreams. All, all our dreams were coming true, and um. The Arise Tour was the longest tour I think we've done. I think it was 18 months, uh, covering Russia, Indonesia, uh, Japan, South America, U.S. Uh, we did the SOS Tour, Cetus, uh, Obituary, Sepultura. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was amazing, you know, really, really cool to um, also be exposed in, in a lot of those magazines and Finally, in Brazil, people saw us as a real, because Sepultura was never treated like a real band until those albums came out and got attention on, on things like Enemy and Melody Maker and those kind of magazines. Um, so, yeah, it was a little taste of, uh, you know, finally getting getting something back from all the work that we put into the band. And I think we, I think we, we also... Um, grow as a musician i think we shows i think arise is, is a much more mature band knowing what they are doing you know i think uh it, it started i believe schizophrenia was like the first attempt to do something like that but I believe the remains got a little better and arise was like the almost like to perfection the death trash kind of environment that we created was almost to a perfection level on arise it was like um executed at, at almost professional level, so I think it's we had to do something uh, else. That's what Chaos AD came about. But you know, I think we reached the peak on 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 a rise on perfection of that that death metal thrash metal thing. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 